and welcome to the Kraken Culture Podcast. My name is Quiva and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma and Shanna. Today we are sitting down with Fiona Kearney, the director of the Glucksman Museum. Fiona, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi everyone. So um, as you said, I'm the director of the Glucksman, but I'm also a proud UCC graduate. I did my BA in French and philosophy many, many years ago now, um, before the age of Zoom, certainly, but also kind of before the age of mobile phones, when in order to meet other students, we used to have to sit outside the Boo Library from five to, to five past the hour. Um, so very different times and fascinating to see in a way the kind of campus having developed over the years and of course one of the kind of major cultural developments was the Glucksman and I'm very honoured to be the founding director which means that I've been in situ since um, 2003 um, and in a way um, being privileged to kind of guide this first chapter of the Glucksman's presence at the university. Hi Fiona, thank you and welcome to our podcast. So my first question is Cork City has been ranked one of the most creative and cultural cities within Europe, with its many art schools, art galleries and fantastic festivals. What are some of your favourite moments, be it from those galleries or festivals, from living in such a creative city? It's a tough question um, because it's really hard to pick out one moment, but I think one of the things that really distinguishes Cork is the collegiality of the cultural organisations. Um, so oftentimes what you see is that many of the festivals and museums and galleries and indeed the artist services organisations like the National Sculpture Factory or Cork Printmakers all work in partnership to realise different projects for the city. And that means Means that we have kind of simultaneously quite an international outlook for a city our size. You know, there's a lot of um, artists who've been invited to come and work in the city and present their work um, from outside Cork, but equally trying to, you know, enable audiences across the city to access culture. And I think that those kind of twin goals, which certainly guide the Glucksman, are shared across the city and it makes it a very vibrant place to live and I think that's always been the case because you know I remember as a student um going to Sir Henry's which was a nightclub at the time but it was one of the first nightclubs in Europe to really kind of present you know like this kind of um ongoing kind of almost like kind of a cultural sense to the um sense of it being a club as well as it being just about the music so that kind of broader access to culture and if you think about um, incredible organizations like Corkadorka who you know would have launched the career of Killian Murphy with disco pigs back again you know when I was a, a young going right through to developing work for the pandemic during the pandemic when they went around to different estates in the city to present and bring work directly into people's homes at a point when we couldn't leave and the Glucksman did a similar thing you know by bringing work out onto the streets with new light and I think it's that kind of thing you know the, the city is a scale which allows for that kind of engagement I think it you know um like we call ourselves a city and of course we are but in in a way the scale is almost a kind of a town scale and I think you know that 
intimacy um, allied to the kind of rebel nature of the kind of psyche of the city, which I think really embraces and adopts a kind of uh, a quirky alternative thinking, which is mirrored in the university's own tagline of kind of independent thinking, that that willingness to embrace the alternative and to explore other areas of kind of thinking and being is, is really aligned to how culture itself develops and thrives. So for me, it's that's what's so exciting about living and working in a city. Um, and then I would say beyond that, that there's been like so many different highlights for me in, you know, throughout my life and time in, in working um, in the arts. But again, I would say that kind of more recently that the work that has happened during the pandemic has been just so outstanding. And I'm, you know, the um, Cork Midsummer managed to put on a whole festival, even though we were only just at the time emerging from the kind of, you know, five to 20 kilometer restrictions. And that takes a lot of heart um, and a lot of creativity. And it's something that I really love about Cork. Yeah, I think that's really true. Um, in terms of your own work in the Glucksman, you have several exciting exhibitions running at the moment and also coming up over the next few months in the Glucksman. Which of these were or are you most excited to see come to fruition? Oh, I couldn't possibly tell you that. <laughs> I have to be magnanimous as a director, but... Um, look, unfortunately, at the moment we're closed, so the most challenging thing about this pandemic for us has been the disconnect that necessarily has happened between the people that we would welcome into the gallery and now these new way of communicating with our audiences which is predominantly online but also through off-site initiatives and I have to say I'm really in a way excited about how we can develop the digital realm as a place for people to experience art but also being really mindful of the need to ensure a kind of a material lived embodied experience with art because it's wonderful to see the three of you on a screen today and it's been wonderful to connect with my colleagues and artists through screens but I miss being in front of a work of art and works of art only come alive when you look at them like they need a person to to make them kind of become something and I that's my job so I kind of am looking now with colleagues at ways in which we might bring artworks out into community settings we've been funded by the Lord Mayor's commemoration fund to bring a series of works from our own collection into um, care homes and into environments where people who even if the restrictions are limit, lifted, would not be able to come and visit the Glucksman. And it feels really important to me that we remember those kinds of audiences and that we look and really challenge ourselves to think about how we can keep connecting in different ways online. So I'm, you know, I think that someone said, you know, you, know, you, you, sh you shouldn't, should never waste a good crisis. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with COVID is to, you know, really think about how can we be imaginative, be innovative, not just in the work we do in the gallery, but making sure that we take that out and not just purely through the digital, um, but kind of, and then we have hopefully some plans to do that in the city as well next year too, but I can't say too much about it. <laughs> 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 with Chris Clark on curating Gut Instinct, Art, Food and Feeling. 
What are some of the biggest challenges you face when co-curating an exhibition and what are the benefits of co-curating an exhibition? Um, well, it's one of the kind of models that's really at the heart of the Glucksman is this idea of collaboration and co-curation, whether that's among the curatorial team. So Chris is my colleague and senior curator of exhibitions and collections at the Glucksman, or indeed whether it's with other partners in the university. So Gut Instinct that you mentioned was also a collaboration with colleagues in the Alimentary Pharmabiotic Centre, the APC Microbiome Institute, and Professor John Cryan was the lead researcher who worked with us on that. And the challenge, I would say, particularly when you're collaborating and working with people beyond your own discipline is that obviously, hands up, I know absolutely nothing about kind of the, the gut brain access or the microbiome or the cutting edge research that John and his colleagues do in the university. And in fairness, John would recognize that contemporary art is a relatively new space of learning for him. But the magic is what happens as you discover and explore each other's disciplines and figure out ways in which um, I suppose the Glucksman might be a platform or a space for people to discover the truly extraordinary research that's happening across the university um, and in a way for the artists to access this thinking because you know artists of all disciplines are forever on the edge of thinking. They are at the cusp of what is becoming because they are making and researching new work. So they are thrilled and interested to discover fellow researchers, um, whether that's in a completely different discipline. And so we sometimes have to act as kind of almost like matchmakers to see if we can find works that express and extend the ideas of colleagues in scientific disciplines or in humanities um, and find a way then to enable audiences to reflect on both the contemporary art practice and this extraordinary work that's happening in the university. So the Glucksman really then becomes this kind of window into the kind of great breadth of thinking that's happening at the university itself. Um, and I, it is incredibly challenging because, you know, it, it isn't, it's not just about the, the fact that you don't necessarily have the same language, the, the same, you know, funnily enough, sometimes science tends to think more visually, I think, than some of our humanities colleagues who think in texts and books. Um, and that can be really, really difficult to map into an exhibition, which is a spatial um, and embodied experience. Um, so there are real challenges in trying to kind of solve that. And I'd say what happens is that you, everyone starts out with a whole load of enthusiasm and excitement. And then there's always a kind of a little dip as you're trying to understand and figure out how to make the project. And then usually the final exhibition is never really anything like you imagined it would be, but it tends to have opened up this extraordinary dialogue um, and, and actually a discursive space as much as a kind of back and forth, um, which we hope then that we can invite people into and that they might start to explore those kind of ideas and experiences for themselves. Right, thank you. Um, to go back to what you were saying about the coronavirus earlier, what impact do you think the COVID-19 pandemic has had on the art world? Would you agree that art is something that we need now more than ever as a distraction or even as a drive for change as we've seen with the My Generation Project, considering the state of the world at the minute? 
Uh, well, I suppose I always think we need art and we need art for different reasons. And I think that one of the things that has happened with the pandemic is that the focus has become very much in how art supports our well-being as people, that it is truly, you know, a part of how we express and feel well. Like if, the, if we're engaged in creative activities or engaged in creative experiences, you know, we, we, we tend to feel better about ourselves. And that's not the only function of art, but it's a truly important one in this moment. Um, I think for me, another really significant aspect of the pandemic is in a way in how immediately connected we've been globally through the digital realm and the ways in which we can leverage our global networks um, in a way that perhaps wasn't possible you know previously so for instance the glucksman is doing a series of curatorial conversations with world-renowned curators who can in a sense come and visit us for an hour in a way that might be possible online that might be much more difficult if you were talking about trying to get someone from brazil to ireland now i want to believe that we can still host some of those kinds of visits but in a much more meaningful way so we would have had a program of curatorial residencies where we would have invited someone over for two weeks to try and avoid that idea of someone just parachuting in for a day and leaving again so that they could the people might have a genuine experience of Cork and obviously that's on pause for the moment but I think what is extraordinary about these kind of global networks and discussions that we're having is that we're that those of us who work professionally in the field are really thinking about how can we be locally rev relevant and so in a way we're all very much confined to our own cities and our own kind of you know places and that could be paris it could be new york but it it, it is also you know cork and kerry and waterford and and i think that's going to give us pause for thought going forward about what place means and what culture means to place and what's possible within places. So, for instance, I've heard an artist such as Joan Jonas speaking at, in one of these Zoom environments about how, in a way, the pandemic has um, encouraged her to think about how she might present her work in different ways because she's a performance artist so rather than traveling that she might work with curators at a distance to restage or recreate performances in different ways so i do feel that there is going to be a practice shift out of this that we will see hopefully maybe more longer form considered works happening and less of the kind of frenetic energy of the global art fair moving from kind of city to city and maybe more impact at a local level through international dialogue. And certainly that's what the Glutzman hopes to contribute to Cork, you know. So one of the exhibitions you have curated, Living Loss, the experience of illness in art, explores the theme of pain caused by chronic illness to the people suffering and the people around them. COVID-19 has caused a lot of harm and has been affecting each and every one of us. Do you think a similar collection may arise from the hurt caused by this virus? Um, so I th think that that exhibition was really interesting because it was the first collaboration we did with um, kind of medical scientists and originally that show was meant to be about um, disease actually and um, and we had organized it the organizing principle of the exhibition was originally around pathologies so then this is 
why it changed because it was as morbid as it sounded we had all the cancer kind of artworks we had all the aids kinds of artworks and because the focus of our colleagues was in fact on kind of irritable bowel syndrome and artworks that aren't so easily maybe represented um we kind of uh, looked at different ways to articulate and, and in, indeed it was one of um, our colleagues, Professor Fergus Shanahan, who came up with the idea to think about it as almost a journey through illness. So that's how that show came about and I think, you know, we, we would have been very careful about the different steps of that but again I remember Fergus challenging me very specifically to remember, you know, he was kind of looking looking at the show and saying, yes, but where's the rage, where's the anger, you know, and wanted us to include that in the exhibition, because as a doctor, he absolutely recognized this as a kind of, you know, an, a very significant part of being ill that needed to be acknowledged. Um, so I think that, you know, we learned a lot from that. So I think, but, and that was based on maybe years of experience and lived professional engagement by these wonderful medics. So I would be a little bit reluctant to immediately go into some kind of pandemic um, focused exhibition because I think we're still learning about this virus. We're very, very early on in what it means. And of course, it's hugely important that we all listen to the scientists and in ourselves reflect on the kind of behaviours that are required. But what the societal impacts will be are probably going to reverberate for many years to come. So I kind of think, you know, that maybe it's more interesting to let this unfold before we rush in to the to the space of exhibition but i'll counter that by saying that one of the things that we immediately did when when we were kind of put into lockdown was that we were all so all of us were so kind of confined to home and i was very curious and wondering about how artists were coping and working with this and we invited um you know a number of irish artists to respond to do this new online initiative with us which was called home from home which was how in a way just very light responses not really artworks but just to kind of share um whether visually or through audio or through film or through painting or through text, um, what their experience of being confined to home was. And that was about trying to give a voice to the cultural community at a time when I think, you know, we were all living the same thing, but not all of us get to expose, you know, we, we sometimes might want to express it in different ways. So I think that hopefully what the Glucksman will be able to do going forward will be to seek out ways to platform what the artists are doing and as ever we will be led by what they are doing and how quickly or indeed how slowly some of those experiences emerge because i think for sure you know we don't know yet where this is going um and um we have a need art i think to, to help us in the different moments but it's definitely an unfolding situation so <laughs> an open letter to the Arts Council in regards to sexual assault and harassment within the arts. Why do you think it's so important to speak up publicly about matters such as these in people's respective areas? Um, so I guess there's a personal answer and a professional answer and the you know I think professionally it's really important that 
all of us assume the responsibility of power and you know as director of the Glucksman, i have you know not a hugely powerful role in in the irish art world but i am at you know the the the, the, the a senior role not just in my arts organization but within the university and it feels hugely important that when you see any kind of injustice that you would speak out and speak up for people who do not necessarily have the same power as you do and i think in fairness to ucc We've had extraordinary examples of this through the bystander intervention program led by our colleague um, Louise Crowley, which enables all of us to think about how we might intervene um, when we have actually a some kind of power, which is the power of witness. Um, so, you know, I think professionally it is really, really important, particularly as a woman in a senior role, that you would speak up um, on behalf of colleagues and to look for what is absolutely should already be in place, which is a safe working environment for all cultural workers. Um, and then I would say personally that, you know, I don't think any woman of my age gets to the point where she, where she hasn't either experienced or felt or lived some of those injustices. So it is, again, hugely important for me as an individual um, to recognize that in an ongoing way and to recognize it in a way that means that it isn't necessarily about injustices of gender but it is injustices of social inequity it is about who is the other in any situation and to be constantly aware and to try and remind yourself of what you know you can do to include and enable those who don't have power at any given time to um become part of the conversation in a way that is comfortable for them um, and not so not to speak on their behalf, but enable their voice to be heard. And I think, you know, that was what that letter was about. I was invited to sign it on behalf of someone who had had a very difficult experience and it felt really important to engage in that way. The Glucksman Gallery has been praised for allowing access to the arts to people of all ages. How important do you think it is that people have access to appropriate spaces and facilities to show their creativity and expose them to the arts from an early age? I think it's probably for me one of the guiding principles of my work that everyone should have access to the arts, but that means in very different ways for the gloriously different people that we all are. So. For me, that might mean an expert conversation with another set of curators to ensure that the kind of professional practice which I inhabit continues and grows in Cork. But it also means enabling a UCC student who might never have been to an art gallery before, who looks at the Glucksman and goes, that is so not for me. Uh, but I heard they had great coffee, so maybe we'll just go in and get a coffee and, you know, to feel welcome in an environment that for them might not be somewhere that they would imagine is, is their place. And so I think you need different um, ways of encouraging access and different ways and routes to invite people in. And that means going out quite far sometimes because some people you know don't even get past the main gate of the university that 
isn't seen as an entrance point, it's seen as a barrier. So one of the most glorious projects actually that we did last year was with the local artist Deirdre Breen, where we did a takeover of the ESB substation directly across the main gates. And it was interesting to see just again from local communities, the, this incredible response of, oh, it's great that you come out outside the university. And I feel like, you know, the Mardike is over there. It's like, this is like the, the university is kind of everywhere. But the, again, that that sense of what those ceremonial gates mean is, hmm. So we're trying to be this like, come hither, coax, coax people in. And then if they get to the Glucksman by the different kind of ways in which we might have kind of had a conversation with them, then they get to the university. And that's even more thrilling because, you know, you're students of UCC, you know what it means, the privilege of being able to study and learn in this extraordinary institution and in the beautiful, beautiful campus where we normally are. And I think that, you know, there's that wider sense of responsibility for the Glucksman in encouraging access, not just to culture, but to the kind of wider educational remit and purpose of our parent organization. Um, and finally, you've spoken highly of your experience with the Core Fellowship and how it had a profound impact on your career. Would you recommend such a program to the younger art creators of today? Yes. <laughs> but I suppose, again, it's, you know, I'm always very careful when I'm speaking with, um, you know, students uh, or young artists who are looking for kind of, you know, guidance on where to go, because everyone is individual and everyone has different needs. And I think the most important thing is not to aspire to maybe what someone else has done, but to really think and reflect about what might be most meaningful for you in any given situation. And so there are extraordinary opportunities now and a much greater awareness of professional development in the cultural sector. So, um, you know, there are many, many different opportunities there. But one of the things that I think I valued most about the CLORE was that it wasn't uh, like a solo fellowship it was a group fellowship and it introduced me to uh, um, like the most wonderful group of now friends as well as colleagues and gives me somewhere to you know really um, connect with people and you know during the pandemic we've had zooms to just kind of find out how things are going and you learn what's happening for people in other disciplines and also beyond Ireland which is important because it's this, it's a small pool here so I think that you know what I hope for any emerging generation is that they have the right kind of professional support and that if you know they've spent all their career in Cork that maybe they would challenge themselves to look outside of our city for a while in order you know hopefully to come back and work in Ireland um, and again that that now is even more possible with some of the kind of digital possibilities we have. And one of the things that we saw during COVID, certainly for the Glucksman, was that, you know, amazing connectivity of not just the Irish diaspora, but our alumni network in the university. And that is something that really um, Ireland is very fortunate to have and something that we should, certainly I should be leveraging on behalf of our students and that we should be thinking about ways in which we can connect our students into that alumni network because it provides such huge supports I think in a way for learning and participation and engagement globally at a time when obviously global travel isn't as possible as it might have been before. Final question, is there anything you'd like to say yourself to our listeners before we finish up? Uh, what I would like to say is what an extraordinary 
group of young people you are to have thought of all of those questions. You can edit that out if you want. But I, I really am I'm so admiring of one of the, the major changes that I have seen since I've been on campus, which is this willingness and curiosity to explore other disciplines, particularly given that you're all single major English in, in your focus. It is just so fantastic to see you open up and want to think about other areas. And one of the thrilling things about any discipline is, is those contact kind of, you know, points where it starts to touch into other areas. And I think it will stand to you all the more. And I am just so admiring of the fact that you've learned that so early in your um, education. It took me a much, much longer time to, to, to find that thrill of, of kind of interdisciplinary thinking. And thank you so much for having me on to, to chat about the gallery today. No, thank you so much for giving us your time today and like doing this interview with us. It was a really interesting insight into your life and professional career and we really appreciate it.